0: Could you do me a huge favor this morning and welcome all of those who have logged in on live, on Facebook, and through our website with us? I'm thankful that you took the time today to join us. If you will, turn in your Bibles to Mark chapter 16... Mark chapter 16, this is going to be our series scripture for the next several weeks. I want this to resonate inside of us. I want you, listen, if you don't know what to study, if you're in a place where you just feel kind of dry and you don't really know where else to go, you can take this passage, Mark chapter 16, verses 15 and 16, write it on everything that you have, put it as your screensaver on your phone and your computer, write it on the mirror so you have to kind of look through it while you're getting ready. Just make sure that you don't put it directly over your eyes because that would be goofy for some of you ladies to do a really good job on one side and then kind of jack the other side up. You know, uh, my wife sells makeup for a living. So we believe that this scripture actually partners with the vision that we have as a church. Some of you have heard me say this, some of you will get sick of hearing me say this, but our vision is what we believe that God's vision for this church is which is to meet people, number one, and number two, to grow closer to God together. That is why New Hope Fellowship exists. If you kind of wandered in here today and you want to know what this church is about, we can sum it up in this one statement that we as a congregation, as a people, we want to meet people and we want to grow closer to God together. Now, I didn't realize how quickly it had snuck up on us, but we have health fair this weekend. Praise God for that. That's going to be a great week. We're going to have a great time and be really stressed, stretched, stretched, not stressed, but stretched in the name of Jesus. We're all going to come in here taller next week um, because of all that God uses us to do. And then our children are going to start school back next week. And all the mamas that have been keeping them babies by themselves at the house said, glory to God. Thank you for public school in Jesus' name. And all the teachers said, oh my. (laughs) Now, one of the things that I loved about school, specifically elementary school, I really liked kindergarten because I got to take naps. Come on, somebody help me. (laughs) But but when I got into first through third and fourth and fifth grade, and then all of a sudden we stopped doing this in like sixth grade and, and junior high, I was like, man, what happened? We used to do this thing called show and tell. Okay, um, and if you didn't have something to show, then you didn't get to tell. Um, and if, if you just wanted to tell, you had to have something to show, right? And so I don't know if, you, if it, this happened to, to you or maybe it was just me, but sometimes I forgot. I forget. If you never forget, congratulations, praise the Lord. We want you to come join our team and help us all remember. But I would forget, and so I would look for things on the way to school, to, to show for show and tell. And then I would try to create a story that would go behind what I wanted to show. I think this may be what my wife did. One morning on the way to school, she had in a napkin what maybe looked perhaps a little bit like bacon bits. And so Megan speaks really well now. I like to listen to her teach and minister. I love her little voice. It's one of my favorite things in the world. But when she was a child, she had a little bit of a a speech impediment. And so she got up in front of her class and she had wrapped up in a napkin this very special prize that she had found in her drawer. And she introduced herself to the class and said, today I brought mouse toads to show you. I've had them in my drawer, I've been collecting them, and, and this is my story, and I want to share it with you today, and I'm sure that uh, Mama T, M- Mother Teresa, no, it's just the only Mother Teresa that I know personally, that she just wasn't real proud of what Megan had to show. Over the next few weeks, I'm going to share some more of these stories of our staff and the things that, that they took to show and tell and and I want to encourage you, actually, to get involved in this. If you have a, a really good memory or a really bad one, those are even more fun, of something that you took to school or you remember someone else taking to school, if you will message us on our New Hope Facebook page, or you can even email it to newhopefellowship.nhfe. However you need to get it to us, please get us your stories. And we're going to kind of filter through there and share some of those This morning, I want to talk to you about the most important thing that we as a church could ever show and ever tell, and it's found in Mark chapter 16, verse 15. Jesus said to them, Jesus said to the disciples, Go into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Verse 16, Whoever believes and is baptized... Will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Listen, I I want you to highlight, I know this is kind of odd. I want you to highlight three things here in this passage. I want you to highlight go. If you have a, a pen or a pencil, you can write in your Bible if you still use that thing with like the paper pages deal. If not, you can just like touch it and it'll highlight itself. Highlight go. I want you to highlight preach the gospel. I want you to know that, that I'm not the only person in this room that's called to preach. In fact, every person in this room that claims to believe in Jesus is commanded and called to preach. And I'm going to share with you exactly what that word means here in just a minute. I want you to highlight this one final part. If, if you don't remember the other two, this, this should inspire you to actually accomplish the other two. And it's that last phrase right there that says, Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. I may spend a a portion of a week discussing with you the realities of hell. And and that's not something that I I really like to talk about. It's, It's actually not something that Jesus spent a ton of time talking about. But it is certainly something that he took the time to communicate Because you cannot communicate the gospel without communicating the promise of heaven and the persecution of hell. Today, if you're taking notes, you can write down number one is that we are commanded to tell. We are commanded to tell. Just this past week, Emery Grace uh, had a birthday. She is our, our middle child and she is the child that is just like her mother in every way, and she is a lot of fun, and she has a lot of emotions, and I was very displeased with the fact, I was excited about where I was, I had a great week, but I was I was very just uncomfortable with the fact that I was not there Thursday morning for her birthday. Um... She turned five years old July 27th this Thursday morning, and so I was in the hotel. We were getting ready to to go back over to the conference uh, that we were attending this week, and and Megan called me in FaceTime, and the hotel was jacking up, and the Wi-Fi was messed up, so I was like, I turned that thing off because I I thought I knew why she was calling, and and I finally got connected, and and I saw little Emery Grace, and she was sitting earlier than probably she would even want to be, but she was excited, and she had a pancake full of the MMs and my mouth was watering and I was and she had a candle in the pancake and she's like, Okay, Megan says, We're gonna sing happy birthday. Are you ready, Daddy? I'm like, Yes! I'm in the lobby of the hotel. Okay, there's like 20 people eating breakfast, and I'm over on the couch. Hey, Emory Grace, happy. People are looking at me and I'm like, happy birthday! Can you hear me too? You, babe, can she hear me? Happy birthday. And people are like, oh my Lord, what is wrong with this guy? And the guy that I came to the conference with, he came out of the he came out of the elevator and he was walking his stuff and he was lit. I saw him kind of looking. He looked around the corner. Happy birthday! I was just big old clown face just as loud as I could in the hotel lobby because uh, I wanted to make sure that my child knew how much I loved her. Watch, my desire for her to know that she was loved was more important than my desire to be comfortable. I believe that we need to reestablish a heart as a church as believers, to remember that those who do not believe will be condemned to to eternal separation from a father that subjected his gospel, that subjected his love to being shared by his children. And my desire for them to know how much they are loved by their father is more important than my desire to be comfortable. Statistically, 53% of America will not attend church. We are no longer in a Christian America. We are no longer as a nation compelled and convicted by a Christian worldview. 53% of Americans will never attend, listen, will never. It doesn't matter what we do. Oh, they'll come to our church and we just have life and we have the Holy Ghost and we have the anointing. No, no, no. 53% of America will never come through those doors no matter what you do, no matter what carpet you lay out, no matter what style you have, no matter what song you sing or how well your pastor does or does not preach. 53% will never brush the doors of the sanctuary. Watch this. Automatically, I just told you that, and you see that as a problem. Corporate America does a better job reaching the consumer than the children of God. Corporate America, if you told corporate America that 53% of people are currently not a part of what you have to offer, 53% 53% of the nation have not been engaged. You wouldn't even be able to finish your sentence before that CEO was out the door looking for ways not to get them to come to church or to come to their building, but to take their building to them. Did you know that Jesus never commanded the world to go to church? He commanded the church to go to the world. And 53% need to hear the conviction of the beliefs and the saints of God. Business would be all over that, but when I share that 50%, 53% of people will never come to church, we see that as a problem. Corporate America would see that as an opportunity. We need to shift what we perceive, and we need to not see that 53% will never come to church. That is not a problem. It's an opportunity that we have to go out in our community and be the light of God with the people that do not yet know him the way that we do. See, I wish that we love souls as much as corporate America love money. Because we wouldn't see it as a problem. We would see it as an opportunity. As a church, we were put here to influence our community. The church exists not to isolate, but to infiltrate the community. We're going through this series called Tell Someone with... Pastor Greg Laurie, we'll finish it up this afternoon at 4.30. If you haven't been to any of the other sessions, you can still come this afternoon. We're going to talk about closing the deal. We're going to talk about leading people to Jesus. Why is that so important? Because there is no hope for the 53% as long as we as a church are content to let our pastor lead people on Sundays. The 53% has no hope. As long as we come here every Sunday and maybe on Wednesday night and we are satisfied with how many people came to the building, the 53% gets left out. The most growth that most churches have is not from the lost being found or from the sinner being saved. It's not from those who don't know Jesus coming to know Jesus. It's really just a bunch of sheep becoming discontent with their shepherd and going and finding somewhere else to be fed. But the church was put in the United States of America and New Hope Fellowship was put in Eunice, Louisiana to meet people and to grow closer to God together. That this would be a light in the darkness. That this would be a place that the lost and the lonely, that the hurting and the broken could come and be set free. That the bound could come and be delivered. That the ones who are anxious and overwhelmed with life could come and find their purpose and get plugged into the kingdom of God to make an eternal difference not just in their lives but in their families in their friends in their finances and in the future of everybody that God puts in their path we are not called to have a really good Sunday although we will we are not called to isolate and feel really good about what we were able to accomplish this is not a country club This is the kingdom of God. And we should look like the kingdom of God. We should resemble the community that we're in. So when people come into this church and they don't look like what they're, they're not top shelf. Yeah, some of you know what they're like. They don't button their top button, right? They don't don't wear their Sunday best. They don't even know why they're here. They should never get to me. They should have to fight through every one of you in order to get to me. They should have to fight through you to get to a chair and have to sit down by themselves. They should have to fight through you to wonder where to go or what to do or why they're here today. Because the church needs to come alive in the sanctuary so that it can begin to give life in society. It is very important that we're not just satisfied with sheep shifting from shepherd to shepherd, but that as a church, we understand that it is our calling to go out into this community and share the gospel, proclaim the good news with those who do not yet know Jesus. They're not outsiders. They are not yet insiders. We have to look at every individual and see the potential that God places on them. Statistically, 95% of the people in this room. And if this isn't you, then don't pat yourself on the back because if it's not you, then we could all do a better job of training others for this not to be them. But statistically, 95% of those who call themselves Christians have never led one person to Jesus. What happened? We are commanded to tell. He tells the disciples, go into all the world. Proclaim the good news. Don't preach a sermon. Don't correct. Proclaim the good news of the gospel. The good news, the life-giving message that Jesus is using to transform who you are. Commit to sharing the gospel. I want to partner with you. I want to lead by example. I want to commit with everything that I have to be burdened and convicted every week to share the gospel with one person outside of this church. I want to issue that challenge to you to share the gospel, to proclaim the good news with one person outside of this sanctuary every week. Just one person every week. Whether it's just saying a prayer with that individual, whether it's having a gospel conversation, just sharing your testimony. Did you know that your testimony is somebody else's prophecy? What you've been through, they're going through. And when you testify the goodness of God in the midst of their struggle, it's a prophecy for them to come out on the other side it's the good news of the gospel for them right where they are. See, we can't say that we love Jesus if we don't love his children. Because loving Jesus means that we love what he loves. If you were to walk out of this sanctuary, and, and I love you. Man, I, I, there are so many people in this room. This is such an incredible church. I, I'm just overwhelmed by the fact that God called us to this, this community and then he showed us this church and he let us come in here and we've had the support that we've had and, and all the people that are serving in all the different places and all the people that are going to serve in all the different places as we all accomplish the vision of meeting people and growing closer to God together. And I have people tell me, I love you, Pastor. I love you. And like, And Hey, I love you too, man. Thank you for helping. Thank you for being here. But listen, if you say that you love me, And you happen to drive by Eunice Elementary one day and you see one of my children surrounded by people that shouldn't be on that playground or at that school. And you watch my child be attacked by the enemy. And you keep on driving and you never do anything about it. Then you don't love me the way that you say you do. See, every day we pass by the children of God or the potential children of God, and we look them right in the face, knowing what they're struggling with, and knowing that we have the only solution that will ever matter for their hearts. We look at their situation, and we drive back by, and we let them continue to be attacked by the enemy, and strain away from their calling and their purpose. We need to come alive again, church. We need to have a tenacity about us, because watch this, our complacency is leading to their condemnation. Albert Einstein said it this way. He said, the world is a dangerous place, not because of those who do evil, but because of those who look on and do nothing. We don't have a big, nasty sinner problem in this nation. We have an uncommitted believer problem in this nation. See, our biggest problem as a United States of America is not the moral decay of our sinful society. It's the lack of commitment and compassion by those who call themselves the church to get out and share the gospel. And if we will recommit, then our commitment will lead to their conviction instead of our complacency leading to their condemnation. I want to be used to be the light of God everywhere I go with every person that God puts in my path because I understand that I am commanded to share the good news, to proclaim the good news but my lack of commitment or my complacency will leave the world condemned will leave my loved ones condemned number 2 if you're taking notes we're commanded to show verse 17 of mark chapter 16 it says these signs these signs mark 6 I'm sorry mark 16 that's mark 15 Mark 16, verse 17. Just remember this. Look it up on your scripture, your Bible, or your app, your phone, whatever you got there. These signs will accompany those who believe. These signs. That we can't just believe, but that we should have signs that accompany what we say. We can't just say it. We have to show it. It says, in my name they will cast out demons. I talked about that a couple of weeks ago. I'll revisit what that really can mean in today's society. It doesn't have to just be this mystical, supernatural thing. It could be the demon of addiction. It could be the demon of doubt. It could be the demon of depression. It could be the demon of a lot of different things. That when the people of God go and share the life-giving message of Jesus Christ, they are delivered from the perception, from the knowledge, even possibly from the oppression or possession of a demonic thing that God does not have for that individual, and they will speak in new tongues, you will hear what they're saying in a different way because they will not continue to speak on Monday the way that they were speaking on Saturday because of the life-giving message. Now, I know that that also is a reference to the baptism of the Holy Spirit and speaking in a language that you've never learned, and I believe in that, but I do not believe that God is subject only to that, and we have got to stop getting stuck in all the Christianese and understand how the Scripture... Applies to our lives on a daily basis, so that it will relate to people and it will give a revelation for those people. Verse eighteen, they'll pick up serpents. I don't know about you, but I'm just fine not playing by that one. I drove by a snake last night. I share. I mean, I, I'm 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 getting better. I touched one. Caleb Smith. He's he he threw one at me on a mission trip. I went. Return to your cinder, O oh foul being. <laughs> Heh <laughs> I drove past one last night. We we're coming through all the rice fields on the way back home from D.I.'s. Yay! Hey. All right, sorry. And so we were coming back home, and I was full as a tick, and I was hurting, and I needed to get to the house quickly. And I'm driving, and I was like, Vroom. I'm going down by a rice field, and Megan's kind of on her phone, not paying attention. And, and I said, whoa! And she's like, what? It scared me to death. I was, did you see that snake? I'm like tempted to turn around, but D.I.'s is calling me. I just couldn't. I couldn't stop. I was like, I want to kill that snake, but I need to get home worse, so... They'll take up serpents with their hands. They'll drink deadly poisons. Don't go home and do that. Like Jesus said. (laughs) Don't do that. It will not hurt them. They will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. Do we get to pick and choose what scriptures we live by and which ones don't apply to us? No, 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 no. If you take verse 17, this is a passage of scripture. Verse 17 says, these signs will follow those who believe. And then if you connect that to the end of the last passage in verse 18, and they will recover. If you will show and tell or show and share the gospel, these signs will follow you. And because you show and reveal the gospel, they will recover. They will experience what you believe in. But if we want to start showing and telling, we have to do this. This one thing, we have to start looking. We need to look for opportunities everywhere that we go. In the morning, we need to look for opportunities to share the gospel with someone. Throughout our week, we need to look for divine appointments that God may have put in our path. We need to be mindful of the fact that we are the light of God. And that he put someone in our path to be the light in their darkness on that day. We have to look for opportunities. And then when we see that opportunity, before we ever start preaching at them or correcting them, we need to add value to their lives. Because when we will just begin to add value to people, people who feel valuable are not insecure. People who understand their value will begin to open up. And as we add value, we then earn the right to share our faith. Somebody asked me, man, why are you guys doing the health fair? Like, why are you guys spending so much money on the health fair? Like, what's, what's the point? Why are y'all doing that? Because we understand that God put us here to infiltrate our community and to make a difference in our community. Jesus put this church here not to just have really good Sundays and Wednesdays, but to add value to this community. And when we add value to this community, then we begin to earn the right with this community to share what we believe. And instead of being known as the crazy church. (laughs) Yeah, y'all laugh. But but people tell me that I was like I had no idea we were the crazy church. I had like three people tell me, oh y'all going over to that crazy church? Like I'm the pastor. I guess I'm the craziest of them all. <laughs> like, Woo! Jesus freak? Yeah, I don't know. What do you, what do you want me to say? Like oh that's that that's that charismatic. That's that that's a that cult. Like no, it's not. I don't think. Maybe we are. I don't know. If we got it wrong. We're all going to the kingdom. Maybe you're not. Maybe you should get in the cult. I don't know what you. <laughs> But when we begin to influence our community and add value to our community, we'll no, we'll be, we'll no longer be known as the, as the crazy church or the selfish church. We'll just be known as Jesus' church because we will serve the way that he came to, to serve and we will look like what we're supposed to look like. We're doing a health fair because we want to add value to our community so that we can share our faith throughout our community. John Maxwell... Leadership guru of the world, most incredible man that I have met in recent history, says, I will not share my faith until I add value. I will look for opportunities to add value to people's lives. And through those opportunities of adding value, I will then share my faith. Now, I'm not saying that there's not those moments where you don't have time to add value or Or that Jesus just leads you to just jump out on that island and share your faith and encourage that person and ask them, is there any reason that you shouldn't give your life to Jesus right now? I'm not saying that there's not those moments, but if we wake up every day just looking for those moments, then we're going to miss a lot of other opportunities. Every day we should wake up and not just pray, Lord, give me your heart for people, but then ask this question, how can I add value To someone's life today finding someone what is adding value is simply finding someone that doesn't know you or that you don't know and and giving them something without without expecting anything in return I want to add value to your life even though I don't know you why would you want to do that because Jesus added value to my life even when I didn't know him and now I get to share I want to add value to your life even though I don't know you. Why are you being so nice? Because I understand that your perception of me is going to be your perception of him and, and I'm not willing to offend you over anything except for the gospel that may convict your current state of living. You don't have to say it that way but but whatever it is, I want to add value to that person. I want to give them without expecting anything in return. See, the problem as a church is that Most of the time, the church is more known for what they dislike than who they love. And we can't dislike what Jesus loves. If I were to ask you, hey, give me a few people that you dislike right now. Oh, you better believe I want to. If I couldn't even understand what you were saying, you would get so. I'm not talking about like the You might start speaking French. You didn't even know you could. Like if I asked you, I need you to give me. I'm telling you right now. Give me a list of some people that you dislike. And we're going to get. Oh, you would rise up and start telling me. Well, so and so he came. And it, but if I were to say, listen, I want you to give me a list of people. That your heart is hurting over. Because they don't know Jesus the way that you do. Man. I know I know some lost people. Like. I know some. Man that's tough. That's tough brother. That's tough. Because we dislike too many people. We don't love enough people. Because we're living in a system. That teaches us to dream like America. And pursue this life with everything that you have. You're not saying that you shouldn't do that. But Jesus said that you would have dreams too. And that you would have visions. And that you would prophesy. And we should desire to connect with people more than we desire to correct them. We shouldn't just look for opportunities to make sure people know how sinful they are. See, God did not change us to accept us. He accepted us to change us. He didn't ask us to get everything right and then I'll send my son to die on the cross. No, no, no. He said, come just as you are because I've already paid the price. I've already paid the debt that I didn't owe because you owed a debt that you could not pay. I want to connect with you because in my connection, you'll experience my conviction and you won't even have to change yourself. I'll make the changes for you. I'm going to take what you desired yesterday. I'm going to put it on the fire where it belongs. And I'm going to put what you're supposed to desire and I'm going to give you a break brand new fire for the things that I place inside of you. We should desire to connect more than correct because God called us to minister, not to just hold people accountable. We need to find the 1%. Well, how do I add value? How do I meet people? How do do I get to know people that I I don't know? You need to have conversations with people and look for the 1% that you agree with. See, most of the time when we get into a conversation with people, we look for the 1% that we disagree with and we give that 100%. But we should be looking for the 1% that we can agree with them on and give 100% to that. And let me just break some bad news to you. Jesus is not a Democrat, and that's not the only people that he does or does Oh, come on now. Y'all not helping me today. He's not the only people that he's not interested in our political stance. He's interested in our pursuit of his presence. And we need to stop cheapening the gospel thinking that God is limited by the Republican Party or the Democratic Party. I'm telling you, he's not interested in setting up a democracy. He's interested in setting up a theocracy because one day every knee will bow and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and we will rule and reign with him for a millennium right here on earth and we won't be worried about who we're about to have to or get to vote for. The answer for this nation is not found in the White House. It's found in the Church of the Living God and until the church to being the church and stop expecting the world to become like them and just letting them be the way that they are and sharing the life-giving message of the gospel of Jesus Christ, then they'll continue to be condemned. But when we commit, they'll be convicted and they will walk into His grace and His grace and His mercy will change them for all eternity. See, we don't have to be like them, but we do have to like them. Even and especially when we disagree with them, Pastor John and/or Aaron, it is well, whoever, y'all better get up here because it's Did you know that every person, every person alive today, was given a god-sized void in their heart? Every person that you come into contact with next week. There is a desire inside of them. Even if they say they're an atheist. There is a desire inside of them. To know God. We've got to stop getting in their way. See if I can get them to love me. By loving them. See that's our problem is we just. We don't love. We don't even like. We don't like people that are different from us. We don't like people that don't talk like us, that don't vote like us. We don't like people that don't live like us. Really nasty, scented Dirty, rotten, stinky, smelly, but. Smells like smoke. So what? Who cares? Stop seeing people through your earthly eyes and begin to see them through his eternal eyes. And you will no longer see them in their bondage. You will see their potential in their freedom that God wants to deliver them in. If I can get them to love me, perhaps, perhaps, I can convince them to love my God but if they don't love me, they will not want my God. If they don't love you, then why would they want to be a part of what you claim changes your life? This is a final piece this morning. Is it's easier to show when you know and That's why we have next steps and that's why we push it and and we're going to focus on it. And that's why we have small groups because we understand that as we grow bigger, we need to also give opportunities to be in that small atmosphere. to, To make those connections at a personal level. So be a part of a small group. Come lead a small group and recruit people to be in your small group. And let Sunday be a celebration of what Jesus is doing every day. Next steps. What are next steps? Come find out. It's who we are. It's why we exist. It's what we do as a church. And then you discover who you are and where you fit, what you can do as a part of this church. It's helpful because you understand your design and then you begin to discover your destiny. This is the last thing we're commanded to tell and we're commanded to show. I think I've communicated that clearly today, but... In all of that, this is the most important piece of the process. This is the most, important, the most important note that I'm going to give you today. Is that we need to be convinced to love. John 14 verse 15, it says, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. And listen, the church for a long time has taken that scripture and used it as evidence that people don't love Jesus. Used it as a weapon. Instead of inspiration. Well, if you love the Lord, then you'll live for Him and you'll follow His commandments and you'll stop being a dirty, rotten sinner. And you'll watch this. If you love Jesus, then you will keep His commandments. It will happen. Not because you're keeping His commandments, you learn how to love Him, although there is a reciprocal relationship right there. But the good news of the gospel is that it doesn't matter where you are or what you've done. If you can identify the love of Jesus Christ in your life, then you will begin to accidentally keep his commandments. like dude why am I being so that should have made me mad like oh five years ago I would rip you apart right now but I understand that God loved me so much that he died in my place and so I can't treat you the way that my flesh wants to treat you because my spirit man sees the potential inside of you that you could be everything that God created you to be and I see more potential inside of you than I see persecution I love Jesus so I can't keep his commandments if you will love him then you will begin to keep them just his final story pastor was <clears throat> left his church felt very clearly that that God had called him to to corporate america because he he wasn't winning souls he was he was more burdened by the building program than he was burdened by the people that were lost in and dying, and, and condemned to hell for eternity. And I don't ever want to be there. I don't, ever, I don't ever want to get so consumed by the business of the church that I forget the purpose of the church. And he came across this man that was an atheist, and he would have these conversations, and he was adding value and adding value. Again, his name was Dr. John Maxwell, and the atheist, the business owner, the CEO of this major corporation called him into the office and said, John, what do you want? He's like, but. I don't know what do you want. He <laughs> said, no, no, no. You people don't just do what you do without wanting something in return. He said, I just I, I think I just want to be your friend. I just want you to do well. No, 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 no. What is it that you want? What do you want? I mean, what what makes you do what 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 you do? And he said, Are you asking me what makes me? Yeah, I want to know what makes you do I said, Well, and he began to share his, he shared just a portion. He was like, I, "I believe that that God did a lot for me, and so I just decided to, to go out and do everything that I could for the people that I know he loves and the, the CEOs, that's it. that's it. That's it. Tell me that that's what you want." He's like, "You want me to believe like you do?" He's like, "Well, I mean, no I mean, yeah, I do, but I, I don't really He said, like, "Well, I don't want to hear that. I don't want to listen to it. I don't to listen to that.." He's like well, I'." You called me you, and know, just try to it's cool. Let's just go back to like five minutes ago. It's OK. But he just kept adding value, and he kept adding value and he kept adding value. And one day, the, the atheist, the CEO, he says to him, he said, "John, you know what I don't like about your God?" He's like No. <laughs> what do you not like?" He said, I could never believe in a God that would send people to hell. John Maxwell's like, me either. I'm with you, bro. It's like, I don't I agree. Like, I don't I would never believe in a God that would, would send people to hell. And the atheist says, Yeah, but but that's what your God does. He sends, he sends people to hell. He goes, No, 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 that's not my God. I don't know. It's somebody else's God. My God didn't send people to, my God didn't send people to hell. He says, that's not your God. Your God doesn't send people to hell. I was like, no, you got the wrong God, man. I'm telling you, that's not my God. Hey, since you have the wrong God, can I tell you about my God? <laughs> so he begins to share. My God doesn't send people to hell. My God created hell for Lucifer and his angels But we decided for whatever reason to give our hearts to Him instead of giving them back to the Lord that created us. And my God is so in love with me that He sent His one and only Son to hang on a crucified tree to give His life for all eternity because He paid a debt that He did not owe because I owed a debt that I could not pay. And God may let me go to hell if I decide to live separated from Him, but I'm going to have to step over the dead body of His son before I'll ever get to the gates of hell for all eternity. My God wants to love me. My God wants to save me. My God doesn't want me to be bound and anxious and depressed and lonely. He wants me to be free and full. He wants me to discover my purpose and make a difference in the lives of those that He put around me. My God gave everything that He had so that He could have me. That's my God. He doesn't send people to hell. He claims people for heaven and he 's calling his church to do the same today listen I don't know where you are First Corinthians 916 and 19 says Paul said, if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of for necessity is laid upon me Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel Woe is me if I do not proclaim the good news verse 19 for though I am free from all men, I have made myself a servant to all that I might win more. First Corinthians 2, verse 2, For I have decided to know nothing among you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. Because that's my God. He doesn't send people to hell. He does everything that He can to keep them from going there. If you don't know anything else today, if you need to restore just one thing, we need to restore our knowledge of Jesus. Not just as a believer and not just as a church, but as an individual that maybe doesn't know Him the way that He would like to know you. Listen, if you're in the room today, I'm going to make it very simple for you. Because you have an eternal decision that you have an opportunity to make today. And it would be foolish of me to say that we're going to renew a heart for evangelism in this church. That that we're going to renew a heart for giving people an opportunity to come to know Jesus. And then not do it at the end of every message. So if you're in the room today and you don't know Jesus... If you've never given him your life or if you gave him your life at one time but since you have been drifting, then you need to know that everything that was in that that computer right there, God put there just for you. I want to make it very simple. Church, if you would, just bow your head close your eyes. If you want to give your life to Jesus today because you never have Or it's been a long time since you have. If you know this message was for you. That you need to know him. And that you want today to be your day of salvation. Would you just lift your hand right where you are? Thank you. I see you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Praise God. Thank you. Come on. Anybody else? Thank you. Come on. I don't want to leave you out. I need to know Jesus. I've drifted. I've never given in my life, and today I want to be included in that prayer. Just lift your hand right where you are. Church, believers, those that did not just raise their hand, if you would join me and this staff, in a recommitment to sharing the good news. If you would let God's heart become your heart to influence the atmosphere that He has placed you in every day to your absolute best, in Jesus' name, by the power of His Spirit. If you know that you need to renew that commitment today, would you just lift your hand right where you are? Say, that's me. That's me. I see you. Thank you. I see you. Me too. I'm with you. I'm raising my hand. I need to recommit. Let me ask you another question. If you would commit this morning, don't don't guilt yourself when you don't do this, but if you would commit this morning to doing your absolute best to sharing your faith with at least one person a week, that doesn't know Jesus the way that you do. Would you just lift your hand right now? Say, that's me. That's me. I'm going to do that. I'm going to do my absolute best. I may not get it perfect every week, but I'm going to do my best. Come on, would you stand with me this morning? I want everybody in the room, especially if you raised your hand. If you raised your hand for salvation, listen, don't get lost in the moment just because we stood up. Hold on, church. Don't start stirring. Don't start stirring. Eternity's about to be changed right now. If you're in the room today and you lifted your hand and you say, Chris, I don't know Jesus and I need to give him my life. And church, I want you to join in in just this prayer of dedication and partnering with them so that they know that they're not alone. Let's pray this together. Jesus, forgive us for where we've fallen short. Help us to follow you with all of our heart from this day forward. Place in us the desires that you have for our lives. Help us to share those desires with other people. We believe that you died on a cross and that you were raised from the dead. That you can take our life and make it yours. Use us for your kingdom. In Jesus' name. Amen. Church, would you do me a huge favor and give a big hand of applause for all those who prayed that prayer for the first time? We're here for you. This church exists for you. Jesus died on the cross for you. He gave everything that he had for that moment right there where you could dedicate your life over again or for the very first time. Listen, if you prayed that prayer for the first time or for the first time in a long time, I'm going to pray a blessing over everyone in this room. You're going to be included in that. But before you leave, while, even while I'm praying, it would just thrill our heart to know that you made that decision today. If you would write your name on that card and check one of those spaces at the bottom of the card, you don't have to give us any information. We just want to know your name so that we can be praying for you and we can give you the good news of the gospel as often as possible. We're going to empty that baptismal tank very soon and we're going to do a lot of water baptisms on this stage because of all the decisions that are being made for Jesus. If that's you, I just want you to take just a few minutes, write your name on the card and let us know what decision you made today. Church, would you lift your hand? for the blessing. Lord, I pray that you would bless us and keep us and that your face would shine upon us and be gracious to us. Lord, I I just pray that you would lift up your countenance and give us peace. Lord, that you would anoint us to accomplish your will and to walk in your ways. Empower us to make a difference in the lives of the people that you put in our paths. God, together right now, we celebrate with all of heaven for those who have lifted their hands today. And confessed you as Lord. Believed in their heart that you were raised from the dead. And that you paid the price for their lives. God we celebrate that moment today. And we leave this morning. With a rediscovered. Desire and burden. To share our faith. With the people that you put in our path. In Jesus name. Amen and amen. Hey meet somebody that you don't know. Have a great afternoon. We're gonna.